Our scripture reading this morning is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. So I ask you to turn there with me. When Pastor McCracken asked me a while back if I might be able to fill in for him this week and next week, um, I, I got back from him and said I would be happy to do that, which always puts a challenge before me because I'm not preparing to preach every week and I'm getting a little in, enjoying of the somewhat laziness that is associated with retirement and other such things. I asked my wife, she would tell you all about that, I think. Uh, but uh, I come trying to link the, the sermon today and next week together in a sense, uh, at least in the title. Uh, this week's sermon is a life of giving. Next week is a life worth living. And so I want to talk about uh, the Christian life for those of us who are part of the Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, we all go forth each day to be about the things uh, of Christ in a fallen world and dealing with the, uh, the ups and downs that are certainly associated with that. And so this is the first of two sermons about our lives in Christ. But this sermon is not a plea for money. Um, as I look back uh, through the, the years uh, as a minister of the gospel, I never ever did what I felt was done to me growing up in, in another church very often, uh, preached about the need for the congregation to give more uh, because we need the money. And uh, as I committed not to do that, I was able not to do that. The Lord is, is, uh, blesses his people and is good to them. Now, that doesn't mean that when I was going through a book of the Bible and the subject of money came up that I was hesitant to preach about it. I, I certainly uh, am not, but I wanted to impress on you that's a small part of what I would like to share with you today. And so uh, I wanted to just dig right into the outline in a moment, but before we do that, uh, perhaps it might appear at first glance a sermon about giving that uh, this passage may not be uh, exactly what you would expect, but uh, it is important and it has been more and more important to me as uh, I, I get older and uh, focus more and more about the fact that the time is not as long, it is, it's true for any of us, we're all getting older, just some of us got a head start, but um, we will stand before the judgment seat of God, and um, that is something that awaits us, and we need to be prepared for. So I'd like to read in Matthew 25, beginning with verse 31. Uh, it is of note that in Matthew's account, this passage follows the parable of the talents, and they do go together. I, uh, people that have been here for many years know that that was a particularly favorite passage of mine that I, I came back to often, but uh, with that in mind, uh, Jesus is just now in the parable of the talents encouraged the people of God to take our sermon title seriously, a, a life of giving, to make use of what the Lord has given to us uh, to his glory. 
And Jesus then talks about it in verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all, his, all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. It's, isn't it interesting that the sheep go on his right, the goats on the left, not his left, that there's a relationship for those who belong to Christ uh, that does uh, not belong to others who are not in Christ. Verse 34, then the king will say to those on the right, come you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. And there's that word gave is, is that's the word in there um, that we're going to focus on in our sermon today. I was thirsty, verse 35 continuing, and you gave me something to drink. That gave is not the same normal word for gave, but it's translated that way, but it literally is the Greek word for watered, like you would water animals or other things, that, that when you're thirsty, you can give a drink or you can water. And so uh, Jesus is saying that I was thirsty and you gave me the drink that I needed. And I lost, this is part of age, I lost my place here. Uh, back in verse 35, I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to him, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of my brothers, one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in naked, and you did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of these, the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And we will conclude our reading at that point. I'd like to begin by going to Roman number one on, I hope you have the sermon outline. Can you hear me? I just wanted to make sure, uh, and for future reference, I found it, again, I have all these age references, a little hard to hear some of what went on, but I wanted to make sure 
Um, so I want to start with a correction. Uh, I, I know that Pastor McCracken is very concerned that if there's something that isn't quite right, he's, he's more particular than I, but I, I said in Roman numeral one that Christian life should be a life of giving, and that should be at least some question, perhaps, or some option that you don't get from the Lord of, of glory, but it must be a life of giving. If, if I rightly understand the scriptures of the Old and the New Testaments, which I have spent a lot of time uh, with you, not only reading and studying throughout my life, but also digging in more deeply uh, as part of uh, the vocation that the Lord gave to me, uh, there's no question that uh, a life of giving is what the Christian life is to be. God is the preeminent giver of all good things. Uh, and the New Testament uh, verb for to give is didomi, and it is used uh, in the New Testament nearly 400 times. Uh, I decided not to uh, do a poll of the Hebrew words for give because Hebrew always has many more words than you, you think they do for the same thing, and, and there's pages and pages and pages of them, but uh, it's also a very big word in the Old Testament as well. But God is the preeminent giver of all good things. It starts in the very creation. He gave the universe to us, uh, the heavens and the earth, for his people ultimately. And we read about that in the, in the first three chapters of Genesis. But uh, we also read there that we are, as humans, uh, people, men and women, we are to reflect God's image, uh, a task given to us in the creation. You can see that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, where God uh, says uh, that uh, I will make man in my image, and then uh, he will become the one who will take care of, cultivate, and keep the creation that God has made. And so God is a God who, from that point forward, constantly gives. So I go back to those almost 400 references in the New Testament. I, I, I didn't do this, uh, and I probably should have, but I, I would estimate that over 300 of those references refer to God, whether it be the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit as the one who is giving, and uh, many less for us, but many of the ones that are given about God are given to us, and the point of them is that we in turn will be like him, uh, his image bears in the world as we go forth and imitate him in giving to others. Uh, and giving comes in all shapes and sizes, and there are many examples in the scripture, and we're going to look at a few of them today. Uh, uh, one of the reasons, and I didn't put a lot of verses here, but sometimes I'll put a lot of verses encouraging you to go and to, and to see that these things are so. Uh, I would also say as we talk about giving, there are two other words that uh, are associated with it, and, and you already know that because I, I listened to our prayer time this morning and heard uh, these words uh, going to, together. Um, and giving is always related in a right sense, in a God-honoring sense, to uh, the word love and to the word grace. And uh, these three words are uh, uh, inseparably linked in many places, and so if you find one of them, you may very well find the other two as well. Perhaps one of the great examples would be the, the ultimate of examples of God, 
who loved us and what he gave to us. And that's in Genesis 3.16, a verse that most of us are familiar with. For God so loved the world, and uh, that, that word world there, world can be understood in senses, but he's speaking particularly of those who are his people throughout all the nations of the world, that he so loved his people that he gave. And what did he give? Children, do you know what God gave to us because he loved us? He gave us his only begotten son, that's Jesus, that whoever believes in Jesus will not perish but will have everlasting life. And uh, if you were to go and look at giving sentences, you would find uh, love as well. Love, and we're particularly talking, in all of its senses, but particularly I, I want to mention the the Greek word agape, first Greek word I really learned was in college because uh, when I first came to faith, all of the campus groups were about agape this and agape that and agape uh, the other thing. So I understood, well, what's that word agape? That is uh, the word most often used for love in, in the Greek New Testament. It is uh, the word always used of the love that God has. Uh, for us in Christ. And the thing about agape is it is not in any way, shape, or form a word that when we use it is about us. Uh, it, it's been suggested that uh, agape is not a emotion, but rather agape is an action. That it is a word that if you love, you do. So God so loved us and we were lost in sin, so what did he do? He sent his son into the world, and Jesus voluntarily came into the world to die on the cross to deliver us from our sins so that we might be forgiven and we might uh, become his children. And so uh, agape is uh, a word of action, and it's about what you do. It's a selfless word that if you say, I love something, and you use agape, what you mean is, I am totally committed to the thing that I love, that I will give anything and everything to build them up rather than to build me up. It's, it's always, so when I say I love you, what I'm saying to my wife when I decided to marry, I love you, I'm committing my whole life in our marriage to try to help you and to serve you and to encourage you and, and I would simply say, first thing I ever do in marriage counseling is I, I sit down with people and ask them what's going on, and then I just say, do you know what agape means? And, and begin, uh, because uh, agape means that uh, that which we love, we are committed to giving to and to helping and to serving. And so I'd simply say to all of us who, who are married, never forget that. Uh, by the way, I said that and thought that, and I've spent how many years we've been married? Not quite 50 yet. That's coming, but that's for another day. Struggling and failing to do that. And so just uh, I have an application for uh, uh, moms and dads here, husbands and wives here, to understand that uh, the love that we have in the marriage is this kind of love that God has for us, that it was not about him, it was about us, that Jesus gave his life for us because he loved us. And the other word, grace, is unmerited favor, which is given 
to another. Grace implies the giving of a gift. And so uh, when we talk about grace, that's related to giving. We need to show grace to the world around us as the people of God. And the way we do that is we give to them what God has given to us. We share with them the gospel. We demonstrate by our actions that uh, we not only have love for God, as the first great commandment says, but we also love our neighbors as ourselves uh, by serving them. We have neighbors uh, in back of us. I don't think they're here today because they, they've never been here, but I guess I can say this, um, who sometimes have parties that go late into the night in the backyard, and, and it gets noisy. We also have neighbors that have dogs, and sometimes we think that they have dogs, and they breed them to bark, um, and so they do a lot. Of that. We actually had a neighbor show up yesterday at the door last evening, early evening, with a piece of paper, and, and I looked at it. Well, we're the neighbors from back, back over here. It wasn't the barking or the uh, partying. And we're having a party, and we're going to end at 8 o'clock, we promise. And this note just says, if we're disturbing you after 8 o'clock, please give us a call, and we'll, because we don't want to do that. We thought, wow, the, I, I should have asked, are you Christians by any chance? Um, it would have been a good question to ask. So the Christian life must be a life of giving. And uh, turning to giving, I wanted to uh, talk about characteristics of this trait within the uh, believer, uh, the characteristics of the Christian life. And I'm going to do that in a way that uh, people that have been uh, here for many years will understand. There are two kinds of people in the world. And this one, some of them are kind of funny and other things. This one I, I, I say with a bit of trepidation, uh, and I'll probably, I'll need to explain myself, but there are givers and there are takers. And I think we all understand that. Um, I'm not accusing anybody here of being a giver or a taker, and I'm not sure if I should make a uh, try to render any judgment by the time I have spent over the years in my, in my other work uh, visiting Celestial Seasonings. Are they open again for tours? I don't even know since COVID whether, I don't think they've opened again, but if you were, took one of their tours, you would be brought into uh, an area full of teas and bags and boxes everywhere. And, and machines that are putting, mixing them up, grinding them up, putting them into tea bags, boxing them up. But they would have a secret room with a big heavy door, and uh, it was kind of a special room, but it's, it's the room in which they put all of the, the raw materials that, they, that are called in the industry givers, very technical terms at Celestial Seasons. You have raw materials, products that are givers and takers. And uh, givers, if you can smell them, they're givers, is what it boils down to. And if you can't, they're likely takers that they might be absorbing bad smells. I know that, you know, when something's wrong in the refrigerator, I find out that there's some givers and takers in there as well. Um, but I've been in the room. When you go in, it's a room full of mints, different mints and other things that are very strong. In fact, it's a room that if you have a cold, I... Try to get a private tour and go in that room. It'll clear your sinuses uh, in seconds. Uh, but uh, it, it's the givers at Celestial Seasoning that get noticed, I guess. is And I guess if we want to be noticed in the world, 
Um, that's a good thing, but on the other hand, it's the givers there that often kind of annoy us uh, or annoy you if you, you can't uh, deal with some of the odors that they have. Uh, but I'm digressing now. But uh, there are two kinds of people who are givers and takers. And uh, I, this is, I'm not going to offend, but which do you want to be? In light of what I've even said so far, if you say takers, we need to talk after the sermon because you're misunderstanding me. And which are you? Um, calling for us to do a, a, a self-examination of those questions today uh, in, in the remainder of this sermon. We all have much to give. Oh, have a word for children right now. Are you a giver or a taker? And, and, and I say this because I used to have three boys, and at one point or another, all three of them were the same age as any of the children that are here. And normally with children, when it comes to toys, the word that I hear more than any other word in, in our grandchildren's same way is mine. Mine, and, and, and they say it in a way that just curdles. Uh, but uh, is that a giver or a taker of toys? Somebody who acts that way. This is my subtle, well, not subtle way to help your parents by saying, share with your brothers and sisters and with others because sharing is a giving thing, and that's what Jesus and, and our Heavenly Father want you to do. You hear me? Everybody got it? No more problems at home with that? All right. Let's move on. We all have much to give, and this sermon is not about money, but it's about toys, and it's about time. Now, there's a th if I wanted a sermon, time, talent, and toys, that would be a good one. Uh, it's about our possessions, and children, that's what they, those are the prized possessions, I think. It's about money, but it's also about service and ministry and helping others and caring for others. All of these things uh, are involved in, in what I'm talking about in a life of giving. It's giving of ourselves that is the main point of what I have to say to you in the name of Christ today. We need to give of ourselves for the welfare uh, of our families, for the welfare of those both inside and outside of the church, and it involves many different things. And I would just say here by way of caution that giving money cannot replace all the other gifts that God would have us share with others. Uh, and there's a real, uh, I think there's a real challenge to those who, who have money that sometimes uh, there are needs, they write a check, and they write a check, and they write a check, and they take care of those things, but the danger in that is at some point giving for them just because it becomes writing a check. And uh, that's not how we're supposed to be. We want, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we want one another's time. We want one another's fellowship. We want one another's help. We want one another's, uh, you, you fill in the blank. Uh, we want to be involved. And so let us not uh, simply think that money can solve uh, all the evils of this world. In fact, uh, the scriptures tell us love of money is actually at the heart uh, of all kinds of evils. Money is a part of this life of giving. 
So we talk about tithes and we talk about offerings and we talk about uh, using our money beyond uh, our tithes and offerings uh, to help others. And the tithe is important. But as uh, we saw in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and what Elder McDaniel read uh, this morning for us, there's something that's more important than what we give. It is the attitude that we have. And uh, it said in that, do not give begrudgingly or under compulsion because you have to give because God loves a cheerful giver. That's an attitude. Uh, Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 that we are to have this attitude in us that was in Christ Jesus himself, an attitude of, of a love that con was concerned for giving to others and uh, saving others, caring for others. And if all of us had that attitude that Christ had, uh, what a different world, what a different church we might have in that world. Um, so tithing and, and, and offerings are important things, and I don't want to discount them in any way. And I will, I don't know if we're recording this, but uh, our pastor is away, but part of the ministry of giving financially and otherwise has to do with caring for the ministry. And the scripture is clear. We're not to muzzle the ox while he threshes. I thank God, and I will testify to those of you that are new to this congregation that for 20 years, uh, the, the members and friends of this congregation cared for my wife and for me uh, and, and my family and, uh, in an admirable way, and, and we give thanks for that. And I just encourage all of us uh, in, in giving that part of the giving is for the ministry and for the one who labors in the word and doctrine and the teaching and preaching of the word. So um, continue to take care of your pastor. You have a good pastor. We, I'm part of this congregation. We have a, a very good pastor here. And uh, part of your giving ministry is to make sure that he and, and his, his wife and family are provided for so that they can, uh, and particularly uh, HP can give uh, the full of his attention and time to uh, the work of the ministry that God has called him to do. Uh, but I wanted to say three quick words about tithing. If you were hoping to have a sermon about tithing, you're not going to have it. But the first thing I would say to correct what I believe is a misconception, tithing is not just Old Testament. Because oftentimes people say, well, the tithe was an Old Testament thing. No. Go to Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 through 7. Cross-reference that back to Genesis chapter 14, I believe it is, where uh, there is a priest named Melchizedek that comes up to Abraham after uh, there was a great victory won, and um, Abraham gave him a tenth of all, a tithe of all. And the writer to Hebrews speaks about that in Hebrews chapter 7 uh, and talks about the fact that Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. And, uh, and what Melchizedek represents, as I understand the scriptures, is that before the creation of the heavens and the earth, there was a, there was a, an eternal order of things set by God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that Melchizedek is related to that. That's why in Hebrews 7 it says, this guy, you know, this is kind of a guy, we don't know how to think about him exactly, understand, but uh, the point I'm making is Abraham giving tithes to Melchizedek. Uh, the Old Testament covenant had not even been established yet. And in the eternal order of things, tithing, giving to God of a tenth, 
uh, through Abraham and Melchizedek, I believe, is a biblical practice that uh, it means it's the eternal order. So not only in the Old Testament, but the New Testament is not only should we give a tenth, but we're even asked to uh, excel and abound still more as we live this ministry of giving in the world. Secondly, uh, tithing protects the wealthy and the poor. Um, the church is not to be like the United States government where, uh, depending on what party and other things, but I think it's all of the above in terms of parties, uh, where the idea is somehow if we just get more and more and more and more out of the wealthy, that that's going to fix everything. And it, it doesn't. So the type protects the wealthy from having too much of a burden put on them, but it also protects uh, the poor as well, that they're not um, uh, to give to. Uh, it's manageable, hopefully, for them as well. And thirdly, uh, tithing leads to blessings in many ways. And, and, and one of those I saw, I believe, is summarized in the Second Corinthians passage, where in verse 7, each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It's attitude. If you're tithing but your attitude is wrong, what God's saying to you is your, your tenth is not worth anything to me. It's, it's like the sacrifices uh, on a, of the cattle on a thousand hills is not what I want, but I want your heart and I want your mind and I want your attitude. I want you to be uh, a heart that is broken and contrite before the Lord. But Paul uh, goes on there. And God, and this talks about the bless, I think the blessings that come, is able to make all grace abound to you. And notice the, the times all is used in this verse. All grace to abound to you so that always, having all sufficiency in ev all things or in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. And what God's saying there. Give as the Lord leads you. Give for the right uh, out of your heart and out of your desire. Uh, sometimes that means sacrificially, and, and the Lord is going to, to give you an increase. And uh, I'm not simply saying start tithing, and all of a sudden you'll have more money. Some people say, and you'll have more money than you know what to do with. Um, I've tried that. I, I mean, I've done that. and uh, I have always had, we have always had with the, enough for what the Lord has call us to do and uh, have been satisfied with that. And so now we, we come to uh, the text before us in Matthew 25. Uh, I thought it might be helpful as we talk about the two kinds of people in the world and to ensure that all of us want to be in the category of those who are giving to um, look to this particular passage. So we're looking to the future as we take inventory of where we are today in the presence. And I've just very simply tried to give the, the, the points of the passage that we read. Number one, in the first three verses we read, 31 through 33, the Son of Man, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, is coming again. And we will all give our account when he does. Moving on, 
For this account, what are the king's criteria? What is Jesus' criteria? In verse 34 through 36, the king will say to those on his right, his people, the ones on his right, come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then he goes on, I was hungry, you fed me, you gave me food, I was thirsty, you gave me drink, and he goes on from there. And I just ask, does, does the criteria there surprise you? One good thing, you will not have an exhaustive Bible knowledge quiz at the last great day. You will not be asked, at least based on this, the criteria is, um, were you uh, reformed or not, or things like that. The, the point is, all of those things that so often the church gets wrapped up in and, 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 and struggles with and, and, and tries to make some of our main points, and, and, and a lot, all of theology and doctrine, these are all very, very important things, but at the last great day, the Lord Jesus is going to look and say, did you love me and did you serve me and did you love your neighbor as yourself? That's the important quiz or the important point that I want to make. Are we ready to answer these questions from our Lord. And how, did the, how will the righteous respond? Uh, they will respond, not only will they have done it, but they will feel inadequate to, you know, we, when, did, when did we even see all of this, Lord? Uh, and his answer is to, as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You have, you lived a life of giving to the cause of the gospel and giving to the people of God and giving to the world in need and in sin and in death. And how will the king respond to the lost in verses 41, 43? He's, he's not even, he didn't even quiz them. He just said, depart from me. And then they said, wait a minute. You didn't even ask us any questions. You didn't say what you said to the righteous. And the indictment of the Son of Man is that you did not care. You did not give. You wasted your life on taking and on self. And it's too late now to make amends. And so I would just encourage us in the name of Christ if, if you struggle with any of the things that we're talking about today, if you don't know Jesus, if it comes to this passage, when this takes place, it's going to be too late for you. And that's why we come week after week and we worship and we, we, we preach and we teach and we train our children to turn to Jesus. Because if you want to have a wonderful life of giving, and of loving and caring for others, it has to start at the foot of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, the final end is there. And so uh, today and next week, a life of giving is a life worth living. And that life is in Christ, following in his example. 
And so I encourage you to go forth and to give and to serve and to love and to shower uh, those, and particularly those that you might not get along with, those who you might struggle with, uh, all the more. After all, didn't Jesus say, you know, everybody is nice and gives to their family and to their friends and to their inner circle, but the true test is are you going to go to others that are harder to love and harder to serve in his name? There are lots of excuses, and I encourage you to resist them all. I've listed some of them. You can, you can look at them, and if you have any questions of what I mean, but pride uh, and uh, fear and busyness, weariness, laziness, greed, selfishness, envy, judgmentalism. There, there's all kinds of things that de- deflect us from coming face-to-face with the fact, Lord, wake up each morning. How are you calling me to give to the world around me, to my neighbors, as well as um, to you today? And I, I'm concluding in some ways it's, it's almost harder as, as I've stepped back from some of these things where I, I was getting paid in a way to do some of these things. It, it gets harder sometimes to... Um, say that continuing to have that same concern and love. It's it's a challenge for all of us. And I would just encourage you to go forth and to give as the Lord has called you to do. In closing, I just, there were a few verses that said this in very simple ways that I was just going to read as we conclude our time. You can you can look them up or you can just listen because they're they're very short. Matthew 10.8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely give. Now he's talking there uh, to the apostles uh, who, who did some of these things that we don't do. But the, the point is, it's for all of us. Freely we have received, freely we are to give. In Matthew chapter 15, These are verses that struck me in a particular way. Verse 36. Jesus took the seven loaves and the fish and giving thanks, he broke them and started giving them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. Just the idea that God has given to us so that we might in turn give of what he has given to us to others, and just a little further over in chapter 16, verse 26, a question. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The things we're talking about are matters of life and death, your very soul's are involved in these things according to our Savior. Matthew 20, verse 28. Could have been the text for today. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
And uh, I, I, I don't claim to identify with the Apostle Paul in many, many ways. But the last time that he visited with the elders of the church at Ephesus in Acts 20, he said this at the end of that. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me in everything I showed you, that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the calling that is clear to us, that you have called us to be salt and light to a needy world, that you have called us to take the gospel to the corners of the, the world, to build your church, to bring through baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit those who have been called by you to everlasting life. And we thank you that you continue to do that work through the church even today around the world and for us particularly in Longmont, Colorado. We thank you for this opportunity on your day each week when we can gather together to encourage one another to worship you, to learn from you, and to be challenged by you through your word, to go forth into a new week, to disciple those who need discipling, to provide help for those who need help, to make your name known because there is only one name that you have given in heaven and on earth by which people can be saved, and that is the name of your son, in our Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.